You're listening to Emmanuel Christian Center's podcast. Join us today as we jump into our series on the book of Acts. We'll see the power and guidance of the Holy Spirit and the followers of Jesus through obstacles, growth, miracles, and joy. The book of Acts is not only the story of those early disciples, it's our story too, a story to be continued. So get ready, God is on the move. Well, does anybody love Jesus out there? Come on! Let's go. You know, I've always wanted to do that. Can any hear Pastor Nate do it week in and week? I'm like, I wonder what that feels like. And it feels great to hear that people love Jesus in the room. You know, if you happen to uh, miss it this morning, you might be wondering, who is this bald guy here in front of you? You might, is he one of our Kingdom Builders partners? Is he one of our elders? I know some of you might be wondering, is he a professional athlete? I mean, I don't know where you get that from, but... I'm sorry to shock you this morning, but uh, I am neither or any of those yet. Uh, But my name, hopefully the professional, I'm just kidding. My name is uh, Joe Banks, and you'll see a picture of my sweet family on the screens. Our firstborn son, Judah, uh, he is eight years old. He just turned eight. And our little princess is Brinley. She is four years old. My partner in crime, uh, you'll see on the screens and here is with me, is Sarah, uh, and she is older than me, and uh, we just celebrated, we just celebrated 14 years of marriage. It was fun. And then we got a call, uh, we got a call from Pastor Nate to pack our bags, or I'm sorry, our begs uh, is how you say it up here, your begs, and uh, get ready to come on up. We just got here uh, about on New Year's Eve, we moved in. We came up from south of Atlanta, Georgia, where the week after Christmas, it was 85 degrees and sunny, and we were excited about what the Lord was doing, and the night we moved in, New Year's Eve, it was negative 20 here in Minnesota, so I guess hell froze over to some degree, I don't know, I'm just kidding. But we're just super excited. We have the honor and the privilege to lead the newest and the only location in the entire South Metro, because y'all got like three or nine or 12 up here. I'm just gonna give three. There's only one, and that is Lakeville. And so I wanna give a shout out to my family down in Lakeville this morning. We love you. We miss you. We definitely don't want to forget all, forget all of our other locations, Maple Grove, Elk River, right here, Spring Lake Park, and we also want to say a shout out to our online community. Uh, we love you guys. We're glad that you're here, whether you're in your camper, your kitchen, or your car, you're right here with us, so thank you for being with us. And then I can't leave out a special shout out to our lead pastor, Pastor Nate and Jody. Aren't we blessed to have their leadership? I mean, it is unbelievable. I mean, come on, what God is doing here at Emmanuel is nothing short of miraculous. I mean, God is speaking, God is moving, people are declaring their hearts for the Lord, they're committing to him, salvations are happening every single week since we got here on the 1st of January. And let me tell you, as someone who's been traveling, who's been around, that is not happening at every single church in America. God is clearly pouring out his spirit right here on Emmanuel, and it is an exciting place to be. Amen? God is doing incredible, incredible things. And and when we see all these commitments to Christ, we see people coming to know Jesus week in and week out. People are saying, I want Jesus. I want Jesus. You can't help but think of exactly what we've been reading and hearing in the book of Acts, where Luke recorded in chapter two, he said, "And and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And each day God added to the fellowship those who were being saved. Aren't you thankful to be in a house where people are being added every single day to what God is doing. And so 
This morning, as you saw in the bumper, we are starting the second half of the book of Acts. It is season two, is what we're calling it, chapter number one, episode one. And we want you to know that this is what it's all about. Yes, we've been hearing and will continue to learn the unfolding history of the New Testament church, but the point of this series is that we have to understand and we have to come to terms that all that God was doing was intended to continue today. That what God started did not stop, but it was intended to continue today. God moved in power then, God moves in power today. God was saving people then, God is saving people today. God was healing people then, God is healing people today. God's people were unified then, God's people should be unified today. God's people prayed for boldness then, God's people should be praying for boldness today. God's people showed crazy generosity then, and as we saw through this past week, God's people are showing crazy generosity today. It is good what God is doing. And so as we sit here in Emmanuel in the summer of 2022, along with all of our brothers and sisters globally around the world, we must embrace that we are the continuation of when Jesus said that he will build his church and that all the power of hell will not conquer it. We are the continuation. Yes and amen. So as a quick recap, you've jumped into, maybe this is your first time this summer, or you've missed a couple, or just as a way to recap what has been going on in the book of Acts so far, we saw, we know Jesus, he died, and then he rose again, and, and then he got his disciples together, and he said, you need to wait for the mission that I'm putting you on. You need to go and wait for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to fill you. Then Jesus, he ascends back into the heaven. The disciples and the followers were waiting. 50 days after the crucifixion, we see the Holy Spirit's arrival by, by empowering the believers to then now carry out this. This mission. And then what happened in that room 50 days after the crucifixion, we saw went out of the upper room and thousands were beginning to be added to the church and the church grew. People were being miraculously healed and resurrected back from the dead and Jesus grew the church. The church begins to see challenges of unity from within and also challenges of opposition from the outside, from persecution, but Jesus grew the church. We then see one of the greatest adversaries in the history of the church get wrecked by Jesus, radically saved, and then therein begin one of the greatest journeys to become one of the greatest contributors to the church that the church has ever seen through Paul, and Jesus grew the church. The church was growing. It was incredible. Can you imagine a time where the movement of Jesus, it says in the early chapters of the book of Acts, it says, and all the believers were in one place. Can you imagine and now billions follow him. But that's our great hope, isn't it? That one day, all of us will be gathered in one place once again. And that's the hope for those that have lost loved ones who do follow Jesus. One day, we'll be back together in one place. Amen? Amen. But with the gospel spreading and the gospel moving... One of the most critical developments of the book of Acts has yet to have happened. And that's where we're going to jump in today. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn them on and scroll to chapters 10 and 11. Or if you have your paper Bibles, let me see them. Anyone bring your paper swords? Come on. I love it. Chapters 10 and 11. Today we're looking at the most, one of the most critical developments in the gospel 
And so as we've seen, the gospel is moving, the gospel is spreading at an incredible rate, but what we've got to understand this morning, it was only spreading among one people group, the Jews. Because to this point in the book of Acts, the gospel was only being preached to the Jews. And so as we venture in, what we're gonna see is on one hand, we're gonna find Peter, the same Peter who famously denied Jesus before a little slave girl. He was afraid to say that he knew Jesus to a little slave girl. He then becomes empowered and emboldened by the Holy Spirit, and now he is standing and preaching to thousands. He's traveling by far in every way, so if you think that you might feel intimidated to preach about Jesus, you can look to Peter as your hope, that through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can use you to do anything. And so Peter, we find him, he had been traveling, but now he is holding up in the coastal city of Joppa after a while because God had used him in an incredible way to resurrect a dead woman, to resurrect a dead woman. All the things that God does is bringing the old into the new, the dead into the new. Isn't that incredible? And so we see Peter, he's holding up in the city of Joppa, and then just north, we're introduced to another person. He's a Roman military officer named Cornelius, and he resides with his family in the city of Caesarea, just a day's walk straight north. And Peter, we know who he is, but Cornelius, he's brand new to us, and, and we're really unsure about his religious disposition, whether he's what faith he is, or, but we do know that he was a God-fearing man who gave generously and prayed regularly. But what Luke, he is, as the author, what he is explicit about in this man named Cornelius, this is really important, this is, if you understand this, you'll get everything else, what Luke is explicit in this text is that Cornelius, he is a non-Jew, he is a Gentile. He is outside of the Jewish group. He is a Gentile. And so, one afternoon, God begins to give Cornelius, a Gentile, a vision and in this vision, he tells Cornelius he needs to gather his men, send them down to Joppa to find a man that he's never heard of named Peter and ask him to come back up to his house because there was a message that Peter had for him and his family. And what's amazing is as, as Cornelius' men were on their way to Joppa, Peter then went into a trance and had his own vision. And in this vision, there was a sheet that was being held up by four corners, and as it was coming down, Peter looked into the sheet, and he saw some small animals, reptiles, and birds. And when he saw all of these animals being held in this sheet, he heard a voice say, go kill and eat them. If you know anything about the Jewish community, this is why if you go over to Israel, you won't be able to find a double cheeseburger, because there are certain things that can't touch, that can't mix, they can't eat. And so Peter, he says, in a devoutly deniance of what the, the vision told him, he said that he has never eaten anything that the Jewish laws declared impure or unclean. I will not eat that. I've never eaten it, and I won't do it. But then the voice then replied, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. And this happened three times. And, and so Peter, he's in this trance, his world's being changed, and he, he comes awakened from the trance, and he's trying to make sense of it. And the next thing he knows, he hears a, he hears a knock at the gate. Cornelius's men were at the gate the moment he came out of his vision. 
And so Peter, he feels prompted and impressed by the Holy Spirit to go to the men and go with the men. And, and so the men tell him to come with him back to Caesarea. And so Peter goes with him. And so the next day he arrives at Cornelius's house and he sets the table by saying this. And this is chapter 10, verses 28 and 29. He says, you know, it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile like this or to associate with you. Now, I want everyone to really grasp this. What he is saying, you need to understand the strong barrier that was here, the strong separation that Peter's saying, you know it is against our Jewish law for me to even associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. And Peter says, now tell me why you have sent me. So then Cornelius then responds by telling Peter his own vision from the angel. And then he concludes with this in verse 33. Cornelius says, now we are all here. He gathered his family. He gathered his household. He said, now we're all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. Tell us this message. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism in every nation. Say every nation. He accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of the good news, that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Everyone. The first thing that we've got to understand this morning, the biggest development in the book of Acts and really in biblical history up to this point is now the gospel is available to all. The gospel has been opened up from but just being in the Jewish community. Now it is open and available to all. This is unbelievable. This is incredible. Just imagine that there is a God who created the heavens and the earth. He created us as his special and unique creation that sets us apart from everything else that he created. We are in perfect relationship, perfect communion with him. But then we rebelled against him. We turned our backs on him. And we said, we want to be our own gods. We want to go after our own way and look for our own fulfillment. And in that moment, there was a breaking of relationship. And from that point on, our trajectory, our direction was the consequences of sin, which is death and destruction. That is where we were heading. And you guys know what? God did not have to do anything. He would have been perfectly just to watch humanity walk to our own death. But God, who is rich in love and mercy, this is the gospel, amen? But God, he loved us enough to pursue his special creation, to send his one and only son to live the life that you and I couldn't live, a perfect, sinless life. He lived it so that he would die the death that we should have died. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You see, Jesus lived our life, died our death. Now we can live the life he's given us. This is the gospel. And the gospel now, it's available to all. It's available to everyone. At one point, if you're not a Jewish person, it was exempt from us. But now God, he broke through the barrier. And whether you're wealthy or you're poor, the gospel is available to you. Whether you're in the faith or out of the faith, gospel is available to you. Whether you're a CEO or you're homeless, the gospel is available to you. Whether you have no faith at all or you're in another faith, the gospel is available to you this morning. 
You see, even here at Spring Lake Park, and I know at all of our locations, we have doors. I don't have a door in your house. There are doors, and, and here there are some doors with some codes on it, and without the code to get into the, the door, to get through the door, you can't get into the room and have access on the inside. And my favorite door here at this location, Spring Lake Park, is a door that is called the Pastor's Hub. Everyone say Pastor's Hub. And you need the code to get into the Pastor's Hub. And let me tell, me, let me tell you, the benefits on the other door are pretty awesome. There's a fridge with some energy drinks, which I've clearly had this morning. There's some sodas. There's regular water. You're like, why'd you say regular? Because there's also trendy water. There's a coffee machine that makes all kinds of little noises when you're trying to brew from a little coffee pod. I'm not a coffee drinker, but that's what it does. There's a little table with some snacks and mints, because when we pray over you, we don't want to make you pass out. Well, only if it's from the Holy Spirit. There's a couch that you can sit on. There's a private restroom. Doesn't the pastor's hub sound amazing? But unfortunately, most of you don't have access to it. Because you have to have the code to get in to enjoy the rights and the privileges of that room. And those who do not have the code do not have access to those rights and to those privileges. Imagine if the gospel was like this. Imagine that there was a door that was locked and had a code on it, and you could only get in if you had the code made available to you. And let me tell you, the benefits and the privileges on the inside of that room are amazing. There's a guy in there who, everyone who comes in, he's offering hope. He's offering healing. He's offering reconciliation. He's offering blessings. He's offering a future. He's offering salvation. But the kicker is, to get into that room, the code has to be made available to you. And for everyone else, and it was only made to one group of people, but for everyone else who is, does not have the code, we are denied access and left to suffer the consequences of being outside of that room, which is our own death and destruction. Can anyone thank God that this is no longer the case? Can anyone thank God that the code to the door has been made accessible and available to all of us in this room, that we actually have a hope? You see, in fact, there is a door, and the door's name is Jesus. You see, Jesus, he even said that sometimes a sermon writes itself, and it's awesome. John recorded in chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, he said, yes, this is Jesus. He said, yes, I am the door. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The purpose of the thief is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them rich and satisfying life. We have to be understanding of this this morning. We can no longer turn a blind eye or pretend like it doesn't exist. If if you're alive and breathing, there is spiritual warfare over your life. There's an enemy who wants to steal you, your family, your family's family. They want to kill you. They want to destroy you. But God came to give us life and life everlasting. Amen. There's a door and his name is Jesus. And the gospel of the gospel, the good news of the good news is that the gospel, the good news is available to anyone, Amen. to anyone. Everyone put your hand on your heart. If you have a heartbeat, the gospel is available to you. If you're having trouble finding it, you better say a quick prayer. <laughs> if people outside of this room have a heartbeat, 
regardless of what they look like, talk like, regardless of where they come from, regardless of what nation, tribe. It's because of Jesus we are family. If they have a heartbeat, the gospel is available to them. Continuing on in Acts, so as Peter is preaching to them the gospel, the Gentiles are hearing it for the first time. It says this in verse 44, even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter, they were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit? just as we did say just as we did and so he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ you see not only is the gospel made available to all but what the Holy Spirit initiates he will complete what the Holy Spirit starts, he will complete. As you read through the New Testament account, you're going to see over and over and over again the Holy Spirit. He's prompting and prompting and he's prompting here and prompting there. It's almost like a game of chess that the Holy Spirit's playing both sides of the chess. He's saying, you move this piece and in three pieces, I'm going to move this piece. And he's bringing it all together to work for the glory of God. We see this happening that he initially, he he initially, uh, he simultaneously initiates the vision with Peter and with Cornelius. Neither of them know each other. They don't know what's going on, but he's moving both pieces at the same time so that when they come together, the gospel is then preached. What does the Holy Spirit do? He completes it by baptizing them in the same way that he baptized the Jews so that they could not object that that was of God. That was absolutely of God. Now, I want everyone to lean in. I want you to hear this. Nothing will stop what the Lord wants to accomplish. Nothing will stop what the Lord wants to accomplish. But how amazing is it that God wants to accomplish what he's going to do with us? He invites you to participate in what he's going to do. And why does he do that? Because he knows, because he made you, he made me, he knows how there's no joy, no peace, no fulfillment that can touch being used by God to bring the gospel to someone's life. And so nothing is going to stop what God wants to do, but he invites you to participate in it. But you see, we've got to understand that in obeying the Lord and inviting the Holy Spirit in, that following the Spirit's leading is absolutely crucial. In the same way where they followed the promptings of the Holy Spirit, you've got to listen and look and pray and hear that when the Holy Spirit prompts you, you've got to follow. But when you do, you can be confident and know that if he prompts you to go, if he prompts you to give, if he prompts you to say or do, he will be faithful to complete it. And so if you're walking by someone, he prompts you to do something, you can know he's going to complete it because he's moving pieces on the other side you have no idea about. As we begin to conclude this morning, it's interesting to see how this played back at home. In chapter 11, verse 1, we're hearing the Gentiles have now accepted Christ. They're being baptized. They're showing evidence of the Holy Spirit's empowerment. 
And it says this in chapter, verse, uh, chapter 11, verse one. Soon the news reached the apostles and other believers in Judea that the Gentiles had received the word of God. You can, you can like hear the sarcasm, not just for me saying that, but it's right there. Have you guys ever done something before and before you could ever get back, the news already spread that you did it? Anyone like, you just know I'm in trouble. What's funny is if, if you look in your Bible, there's some headings that they're not godly inspired. The headings, we kind of put them in there to help separate and bring some, you know, understanding to the scriptures. But it's really funny what we have put in as a heading to this passage. You'll see it. It says, Peter explains his actions. Peter explains his actions. It says, but when Peter, chapter 11, verse 2, but when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. You entered the home of Gentiles and even ate with them? The good news has been missed. Peter, he's telling the Gentiles the good news. They're being baptized in the Holy Spirit. They're being baptized in water. But yet the people back home, they can't get past the barrier that the gospel is now available to all. And they're saying, how dare you? How could you? What are you thinking? What are you doing? You entered their home? You even ate with them? Then Peter told them exactly what happened. You see, what we've got to understand this morning that the reason why there's this barrier, this hardship, this struggle for them was that their rich Jewish history that we read day in and day out throughout scripture with their special chosen relationship by God, they were the apple of God's eye. It was steeped in vast religious customs, over 600 laws. These very things, the, the rich Jewish history, their special relationship, their, all their customs, they became the very barriers for the Gentiles to receive the gospel. They became the very barriers. You see, everything that this people group had known was that they were holy and set apart from everyone else on earth. They were special, they were chosen, and they were proudly devout to this cause and to their God. And can we blame it was for good reason. Clearly God moved miraculously on behalf of their nation upon hundreds and thousands of years. You can imagine the struggle that they're thinking. Are, if the Gentiles are not included on this thing, are, are we no longer special? They can have access to our God without having to go through all of our customs. Even earlier in the book of Acts, when Stephen, when he was murdered, when he was stoned to death, you know what he was charged with? It says in chapter 6, 13 to 14, that Stephen was charged with changing the customs that Moses handed down to them. Even we remember Peter told Cornelius, it's against our laws to enter your house or to associate with you. And we'll continue to see the struggle throughout the rest of the New Testament as these two very different groups of people begin to break down their barriers and come together as a new family under the banner in the name of Jesus. Which leads me to a final question this morning. What barriers are keeping the gospel from reaching those around you? You see, just like the Jews had their own barriers, each of us have our own barriers. 
If we really believe that the gospel is available to all, and we really believe that the Holy Spirit is inviting us to participate in ushering people to the door to eternal life, that is Jesus, then what are the barriers that are keeping you from bringing people to the door? Bringing people to Jesus. Is it indifference? Have you gotten to the point where you honestly really don't care what's going on outside of your world? That you see everything happening around you and it's just like, you know what? I can't do anything about it. I wanna be fatalist. It is what it is and it's gonna be what it's gonna be. I can just take care of me and my family. And, and so you become indifferent to all around you. Maybe it's pride that when the Holy Spirit prompts you to say something, to do something, to give something, when the Holy Spirit prompts you just like he prompted Peter, just like he prompted Cornelius, it's the same God. When he prompts you, when it's your turn, what is that barrier keeping you from walking into what the Holy Spirit is asking you to do? Is it pride that sometimes that because we've been picked up out of our sin, we've been picked up out of our destruction, we've been picked up out of our pain, that when you get picked up and you begin relationship with Jesus, sometimes it's easy to look down on people from where you've been picked up to. You might not be like, ah, that's not me. What's your knee-jerk reaction to when you're watching the news channel that you don't prefer? When you're seeing things thrown around on social media, or when those rascally teenagers come running down your street. Maybe it's not indifference, maybe it's not pride, maybe it's fear. Maybe you're just afraid to put yourself out there. Maybe you're insecure, you're just like, well, I don't know what I'm gonna say, I don't know how I'm gonna say it. What if they ask me a question, I don't know, that I'm gonna be made a fool of myself. If the Holy Spirit prompts you, be confident, he will complete it. I believe in the American church sometimes the biggest barrier, we're just comfortable. We're comfortable with our Sunday morning coffee, our Sunday morning donut, our Sunday morning worship, our Sunday morning feel good, our Sunday morning this, our Wednesday night that. We're just kind of comfortable in the life that we have that we're not really emburdened or impassioned or compassionate to share it with others. It's our gospel. It's ours. Or maybe it's none of those. Maybe it's something more like someone from outside of our faith. Penn Jillette, he's one of the most famous magicians in Las Vegas, him and, him and Teller. He said this, he's an atheist. He said, I've always said that I do not respect people who do not proselytize. To proselytize is basically to go and tell them about your faith and to help them come into your faith, to evangelize and convert. He said, I've always said, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. This is coming from an atheist. If you believe that there is a heaven and a hell and that people could be going to hell or not getting into heaven and you think it's not really worth telling them because it would make it socially awkward, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them? He said, I mean, I, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming down the road barreling down on you and you didn't see it or you didn't believe it was coming, at some point I'm gonna tackle you. He says, and this is more important than that. 
It's a sobering quote from an atheist perspective, but it is a perspective nonetheless. And I don't believe for the most of us that we hate people, but I do know, including me, we all have barriers when the Spirit prompts us to do something, to say something. And just like those who Peter reported back to, they had barriers too. Peter, in his report, he said, as I began to speak, as I began to tell them the gospel, he said, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as he fell on us at the beginning. Then I thought of the Lord's words when he said, John baptized us with water, but then you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in the Lord's way? question I want to ask you this morning. Who am I to stand in God's way? He wants to accomplish. He's inviting you. But sometimes our barriers stand in God's way. When the others heard this, they stopped objecting and they began praising God. They saw what the Holy Spirit did. They saw how the Holy Spirit completed. What's amazing is this, is that when the Holy Spirit prompts you, it's not up to you to convert them. It's not up to you to save them. It's up to you to be a messenger of the gospel, to bring them to the door and let the Holy Spirit do his work. Because when the Holy Spirit moves, when the Holy Spirit saves, when the Holy Spirit heals, he gets the glory, he gets the honor, and we get to praise him. We can see that God also has given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting their sins and receiving eternal life. And oh, what a privilege it is for us Gentiles. Are there any Gentiles in the room with me this morning that we're glad that the gospel is made available to us? If you'd stand with me this morning. you'd close your eyes for a moment. This is just for you to look introspectively at your own life. I want you to ask right now. First and foremost, some of you, you've never responded to the gospel or you've walked away. In just a few moments, the pastors of our locations, they're going to give you an opportunity to say yes to the gospel. Whether you're the prodigal who's run far away, or you're the atheist, or you're of a different religion, the gospel's available to you, and we're going to give you the chance to say yes. You can feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit right now. That's called common grace. The Holy Spirit is chasing you before you even know his name. That's the Holy Spirit working in you right now. You don't know what it is, but that's him. For the rest of us, I want you to, you say, I follow Jesus, I know him. But I want you in this moment, I'm gonna give you about 30 seconds, and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, when you prompt me to go say something to somebody or to go do something or to give something, will you identify what are the barriers in my heart that stop me from doing it, that stop me from following through? 
And so right now, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you and to reveal it to you in this moment. As the Spirit begins to reveal what your barriers are, there's some more good news this morning. The good news is that there is no barrier too strong, there is no barrier too tall, there is no barrier too thick, there is no barrier too wide that the Holy Spirit can't break through. He can and he will break through all that is in the way so that people can be brought to the door that is Jesus. Which barriers will you allow the Holy Spirit to reveal in you and allow him to break through? Because the gospel is available to all. And now the torch has been placed in our hands. It has left Peter's hands. It has left Cornelius' hands. It has left Saul's hands. It has left their hands. And the torch has been placed in your hands. And this is your time. This is your moment. This is your hour where the same spirit is speaking to you. What will we do? You can be confident that the Lord will complete what he speaks. Let me pray over you this morning. God, we're so grateful that as we stand here 2,000 years later, that you made the gospel available to us, that you made salvation available to all, that there is nobody who is breathing and has a heartbeat, that the gospel isn't available to them. That is such good news, and God, I thank you. Not only is the gospel available to us, but you've given us and equipped us and empowered us with your Holy Spirit. You didn't leave us alone, but God, you left us with the Holy Spirit who will prompt us, who will lead us, who will guide us, and God, we thank you that you are moving people that we don't see and we can be confident that if we walk when you prompt that you will complete it and you will get the glory and the honor but God we come before you realizing that we have barriers and so God I pray that when you prompt us and we hit our own barrier God that you will give us the courage and the boldness to break through so that people may know you May we be marked by love. May we be marked by compassion. May we be marked by boldness, by faith, by generosity. As we participate in the greatest rescue mission in the history of the world. We love you, Lord Jesus. And everyone says, amen, amen, and amen. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into the community, or join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.